Hi, and welcome to the White Hill podcast series. My name is Roger. I'm one of the pastors here at White Hill, and we're glad that you've chosen to listen to one of the podcast messages today. Our prayer is that you would be challenged and inspired to take the next steps in your journey with God as you listen to this message. If you want to keep in touch with more things that are happening at White Hill, head to our website at whitehill.church and you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Enjoy this message now. I'm going to do our Bible reading for us this morning. We're in John chapter 9. So if you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up. Starting in verse 25, going through to 41. John 9, 25 to 41. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciples. We are the disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus says, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment, I've come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what are we blind to? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Good morning, everyone. Isn't it good not to have to wear a mask? Uh, I feel like the number of people in the auditorium has doubled. (laughs) I'm not sure why that's the case, but uh, either we just don't like wearing masks or uh, something like that. Um, One of the things that uh, I love to do is have a bit of a joke with people. Um, If you talk to Francois, uh, over the last six months, we've sent all sorts of joke communication to one another. particularly about what housing is like here in Australia for him. So I would send him a dump, you know, like one of those demolition rescues and say, we have a house put aside for you. Um, I said, we also had a car that was donated for you, except it was a rusted out picture that I sent to him. Uh, The wheels had fallen off. And then uh, I said, I hear you're into mountain biking. I might have one for you. Of course, it had no tyres on it, no chain or anything else. But it's lots of fun to have a bit of a joke with people and to have a bit of a laugh, isn't it? And uh, one of the shows that used to be on uh, telly, and uh, you're going to show your age if you actually recognise this, was called Candid Camera. Oh, I see it now, <laughs> Taji, you've just all shown your age, haven't you? 
Um, uh, uh, there's a bunch of younger people in the auditorium right now that are looking at me with very strange blank looks. Anyway, Candid Camera was one of those little uh, reality TV shows where they would set up all of these pranks uh, for different people. And this one in particular, they went into schools and particular, you know, like the, the prep schools where the students thought uh, they may have had a bit of a sense of entitlement. Just let me put it that way. And uh, may have thought that the world was going to... Anyway, they, they did all this, set up this testing regime for these students to do. And then after they did that, they said, now we're going to have our career counsellor come and discuss the results with you, which, of course, they filmed. Now, the career, cam- uh, career counsellor had a, a straight face and would sit down with these students and, you know, they would come in full of expectations. Yes, I'm going to be a CEO. He's going to recommend, you know, national manager or something like that. And uh, he had this one student come in and the student come in and, he, you know, full of expectation. And the career counsellor turned to him and he said, well, after studying your results, I've got the perfect occupation for you. And the student was there full of experts. Okay, what, what is it? It's a shepherd. <laughs> and uh, to which the, the poor student, the colour sort of dropped from his face, said, that's right, I, I, I can see you're perfectly suited to walking out in the fields for long periods of time and looking after sheep and, you know, cleaning up their messes. And I can just see that's you all over. And uh, anyway, so they had these cameras on. This poor student had this. But that's where our passage is going today. But I want to read this passage from chapter 9 for you uh, in this Bible reading because Julie's message last week sets up everything that we're now about to look at in chapter 10. Now, if you weren't here last week or you didn't catch up with it online, I encourage you to go back and listen to it and watch it because it will give you the basis for what we're looking at. But as you heard there on the screen, we have this man who was born blind who has been uh, miraculously healed after years and years of blindness Jesus heals him, and then he's called into question before the religious authorities, the disbelieving Jews and Pharisees who couldn't wrap their hearts nor their minds around what had happened, nor believe that someone like Jesus may have done it. They even questioned this man's parents to try and verify the fact that he had been blind. Now, his parents took the fifth because they were afraid of the Jews. Um, So they pled for silence. They didn't want to offend anyone. But this this miracle man that has been healed, this miracle man, he doesn't pull any punches. In fact, he ridicules the Jews' lack of understanding and acknowledges that only God can do something like this. Well, the Jews and the Pharisees, they hit back. They reject this man's testimony outright. And then they uh, move into comments of character assassination. They try and make this man feel unworthy so that he's not going to testify any longer. They say he was steeped in sin from birth. 
And then, if that were not enough, they cast this man out of the synagogue. They excommunicated him, as it were. Now, in doing that, they would isolate him from family and friends that are a part of the synagogue, and they would also remove his opportunities for employment from that same point. And then at the end of the passage, we see Jesus, by contrast, hears what has happened, and he seeks him out. He goes after him and has that conversation where he not only restores, but he introduces himself as the Son of Man, and this man finds faith in Christ. Now, that is all happening in the lead-up to the passage that we're about to look at this morning. And Jesus is going to come in this morning, and really he's going to be asking a question, a question that all of us need to answer. And the question is, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Now let me pray for us before we go into chapter 10 and just ask our God to speak to us in these moments. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the story that has been preserved for us. It's not just a story of a man who was healed, but it's a story, Father, that reveals to us so much more about who Jesus is and what our response to him should be. And so, Father, we pray this morning that you would speak to us in the quietness of these moments. We pray that you would help us to put aside whatever tiredness we may feel, whatever distractions may occupy our lives. Father, may we listen to the still small voice of your Holy Spirit as you speak to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've got your Bibles with you, I'm going to read some verses now from uh, John chapter 10, which follows on from this conversation that Jesus has been having with the Pharisees. At the end of the passage that was just read, the Pharisees were questioning Jesus about whether they were blind. Now, Jesus is going to swap up the illustration or the focus. If you recall, as we've gone through John's Gospel, Jesus has introduced himself as the living water that sustaining life that can come through him. He's introduced himself as the bread of life. Last week, he introduced himself as the light of the world, which relates to the way he can guide and illuminate our path and direction. And today, we've got a different I am statement that we're going to look at in a few moments. Well, let's start reading from John chapter 10. If you've got your Bibles with you, you might just want to have them open because it isn't going to be on the screen for you this morning. Um, John chapter 10, he says, I tell you the truth, which is that same double amen that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, let's just stop there for a moment. 
Um, in our lives today, uh, in Ipswich, I know some people have rural property. Uh, maybe you even have some... Does anyone here have sheep? No? There's not a single person that has sheep in this place. Um, uh, my only uh, experience with sheep was when I went on a men's retreat with some other guys from our church. And one of our activities uh, on the farm that we were staying was to round up the sheep into the pen and then we had some, uh, you know, vaccination stuff to give them and they were also tailing them and docking them as well, um, which is perhaps not the most of enjoyable of activities, but it was such fun for us because uh, we had no idea. And here we were chasing these sheep around the paddock, trying to round them up. And uh, then when we had them in the corral, we had to wrestle them to the ground and hold them so that they could be docked and so that they could stick the medicine down their throats and uh, treat the sheep and look after them. Now, uh, I think... Our world is very different to the ancient world. In Jesus' day, it was very common for some people to have sheep. Uh, if you were a local family, you lived in a village, you might have half a dozen sheep, you might have a dozen sheep. But generally, you may not have such a large flock that you would need to hire a shepherd, for example. And so if you were a family, generally the youngest in the family would often get the duties of looking after the sheep as the shepherd. Because you can imagine back in those days, it wasn't like they said they wanted to have a, what do you call it, a braai. Uh, you couldn't go heading down uh, to Woolies to have a barbecue to get some lamb chops. Um, everybody had to sustain themselves and families. Maybe uh, if you had a, a sheep that got slaughtered, you might share it with another family and then on an alternate week, maybe they would share one of theirs with you. But because refrigeration wasn't a thing, um, you had to look after your own sheep. And often the way you did it was you would have your children look after the sheep. All of the young people in the congregation are quite happy that none of you parents have sheep at this moment. Now, often what would happen is that they would have to take the sheep out during the day. Uh, I don't know about you, I struggle to get my kids sometimes to walk the dog, uh, let alone walk the sheep. But the, in the ancient world, that's what they had to do. They would take the sheep out via the day to try and take them to some pasture, to get them fed, to get them watered, to let them do their business. And then at night time, they would bring them back in. Now, in the ancient world, there were sort of two different types of sheepfolds. Now, if you lived in a village or a town and you had half a dozen sheep, likelihood is you didn't have a big property that you had your own personal sheep pen on. And so you, there was a common sheepfold in a lot of towns and villages. Uh, the sheepfold ordinarily would have like six and a half feet walls. So it was very hard for wild animals or anyone with ill intent to come in and to steal a sheep. And generally at night, what would happen is a person from the town 
would be paid to look after the sheep pen to manage the door. It would have a heavy door, it would be locked, and the doorkeeper would know and would keep the sheep from everyone in the town in this one big pen. And he would lock the door. Generally, you would know the kids because you would be coming every day, morning and evening, to both collect your sheep to take them out and also when you were bringing them back in. And so as the doorkeeper, the doorkeeper had an understanding. Now, in our New Testaments in the book of John, sometimes it's written gate here and gatekeeper. More literally, it is door and doorkeeper. And it's more talking about a quite a large, substantial door. It's not just a little yard with chicken wire mesh fencing around it that may have been used uh, in modern times to look after sheep. So the family shepherd would do that. And if you had your kids looking after them, generally, what do kids do with animals? If you've got pets, I don't know how many people have pets. Uh, I talk to some families and they've got a menagerie. It's like there are four birds and a few guinea pigs and a, a cat and a couple of dogs, or maybe it's a few dogs. And of course, all of them have names. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, our dogs had pups, uh, and uh, we had eight pups that were born to our Cocker Spaniel. And when they came out, uh, we were trying to measure them and trying to tell them apart. So we would look for distinguishing marks. So maybe one had a white nose, and that's what we called it. We called it nosy or something. Um, for us, uh, the first one that came out, we just called Alpha, you know, pretty original. Um, and then there was a big one, and so we called him Boof. And, and then there were two others that had distinguishing marks. One looked like it was a golf club on the back, so he got the name Golf Club. Um, and uh, the other one had a, uh, a bit of a shading on the back that looked like a toilet brush. And so I'm afraid he got toilet brush. Um, the, they survived, but there was a whole bunch of names that we went through. Um, you'll be pleased to know we didn't keep Boof or Alpha or toilet brush as the name of our dog going on after that. But we would call them by name because it just became so much easier to identify them if there was a problem or if there was something going wrong. We were able uh, to actually refer to them in an intelligent way. And just as with all our pets today, we do the same thing. Now, if you lived in the ancient world, likelihood is you didn't have budgies or guinea pigs or snakes or anything else that were in your house. And so the sheep got names as well. And they were looked after. Now, because none of us are shepherds, has anyone spent time as a shepherd? I thought it would be really interesting because I read this next part about calling sheep's a name and sheep by name and leading them out. I thought, oh, come on. Like, seriously, sheep are really stupid animals. They are. I've heard stories where crows will land on their heads and pick the eyeballs out and stuff like crazy stuff. And you think, wouldn't you shake your head if you were a sheep and you felt something like Anyway, apparently they don't. Um, and so I thought I would put together and show you a video of some modern-day shepherds in the field. So if you've got those videos, put them up for us. So this is an older guy, and uh, if you listen to him, I'm not sure if we can hear 
Volume. Now I did shorten the video down a little bit because he was calling out like this for about 30 seconds, but I've trimmed it down. But have a look, it's a fog-laden hill. You can barely see anything. And he's calling out, I don't know what language it is. Oh, look at him. They come running. My dog doesn't even come running like that. It's a bit windy. And I thought, wow, isn't that distinctive? That you can call them from such a distance away and they recognise their shepherd's voice and they come bolting even through fog to find their shepherd. But it's so distinctive. They're not walking casually, but they're bolting down the hill. I'm sure it has something to do with what's in his bag. Uh, if you go to the next video for us, I thought this one was interesting from a point of comparison to see whether sheep can actually hear the difference between people's voices. <laughs> one more time. Amazing to see that, uh, both either from the distance, but also you can have different people that can be calling out the same thing, but the sheep were all just there. And if you saw during those first three, the sheep were giving them, you know, the hand saying, you know, I don't care what you say, I'm not listening to you. They were just eating away there. But when their shepherd comes along, all of a sudden, heads are up. Oh, what's going on? And then they all start running towards the shepherd. In verse 3, John writes these words that Jesus says, the gatekeeper or doorkeeper opens the gate or the door for him. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice but they will never follow a stranger. 
In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was saying to them. And so Jesus uses what was very common, commonly understood in the day to say, look, sheep know their shepherd. They hear his voice. He can call them by name. He can identify them. And then he will lead them out. And so what used to happen in the ancient world, even though there was a variety of flocks, the shepherd would actually call his flock out They might be intermingled in the sheep pen, but they would all come out, and only his flock would come out. In fact, I have read uh, that sheep can get very distressed and confused if they get sold to a different shepherd because they don't recognize the shepherd and so often are isolated and need to be led or contained in some way. But the shepherd leads them out. He goes on ahead of them. The sheep follow him. Why? Because the sheep know his voice. Now, one of the things today we have is that we live in an age of the mobile phone. Now, who can remember back to the time where you had a phone that had the old rotary dial on? Yeah, come on, you can. And, and even when we graduated to the digital and you had to push the button and still pick up the old corded phone, you know, we had those too. And then the mobile phone came out and we thought, what's going on here? But nowadays, it's great. People can call you on the phone and uh, sometimes you can get, um, when they call you, you'll get like a caller ID that will come up on the phone. And it will tell you... uh, Now, my wife's looking at her phone right now because I'm I'm just calling her. We'll see whether she answers. (laughs) No. No, I got her voicemail. (laughs) You know what? When I'm in the office and I get a call and I see my wife's name come up, I think I better answer that or I'm going to get in trouble. Um... And you know what, if uh, I get a call and Brad's name comes up, well, it really depends what time of day it is, doesn't it? (laughs) And then there are other numbers that come up and uh, you have to look up which country they're actually calling from, but you know not to answer those ones, don't you? But that's what happens with caller ID and it's great because when you recognise it, you can do it. Now, I've got a problem with my son's phone at the moment because he's got his caller ID turned off And so it comes up as, uh, I can't remember what it is, it's unknown caller or something like that. And I really have to play Russian roulette as to whether or not I answer it. Because, you know, if you answer it and it's not my son, I could be talking for 15 minutes politely to someone who's trying to sell me Bitcoin or something ridiculous like that. And so I'm still trying to navigate that or do it. But if he's in the house, generally I just don't answer it because I know it's probably not him or he's being too lazy to come up out of his room and actually come and talk to me. Um, (laughs) But there is a contrast that now happens uh, in this passage between the ones that are known to the sheep and the ones who are not known to the sheep. 
and particularly as it applies here to the miracle man, the man born blind, it gives us a comparison between who he has been talking to. Because just from chapter 9, the man born blind has spoken to the Pharisees. And how did the Pharisees treat him? They questioned him. They argued with him. They abused him. They showed contempt for him and what he had been for. And then they slandered him. And then by comparison, Jesus is one who asks him a question which he agrees and believes because he recognizes perhaps Jesus' voice from when Jesus actually healed him. And Jesus' voice is one that brings with him truth and safety. And it's one that, Je- that the miracle man then turns to and he worships Jesus as we read. Now the Pharisees in verse 6 They don't understand what's going on. They don't even understand this whole parable illustration, maybe because they were on the downside of it. But in our lives, we have many competing voices, don't we? Often it's hard. I was sharing with Julie this week. Don't you just feel like you're getting bombarded? It's like you've got podcasts are sending you one message and then you might have people at the workplace sending you another message, then you might have your spouse that's sending you more messages, or your kids are sending messages, and all of these competing voices in our lives. And lo and behold, if you are reading some sort of novel, or if you're watching the telly, then you're getting a whole bunch of, and then if you're listening to the government, you're getting all of these voices telling you a whole bunch of different messages. And sometimes it's hard to know who are you to trust? Which voice are you going to listen to? If you're watching the telly, all the retailers are telling you, well, you need to buy this in order to be happy. You need to buy this latest and greatest item. And so they're pushing this idea of sales that will obviously boost their profit margins but they're wanting to sell you things. If you're looking at some particular series put through the world, sometimes they will be pushing completely different agendas through their storylines and what they normalise for you and what perhaps is not normalised. One of the things that we see in modern-day TV or modern-day movies is that there is barely a movie that doesn't have a couple jumping into bed with one another on the first date. Or there might be same-sex couples that are doing things. Or there can be a whole bunch of this messaging that is just going out in almost subtly but now much more blatantly in your face. And in some ways, all of these messages are changing us. They're compromising or they're seeking to teach. Well, in this passage, Jesus is saying that there are two kinds. The first he describes here in verse 7. Let me read for you. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate, the door for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, 
but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Amen. Amen. Now, in this passage, Jesus is now going to focus in a little tighter. And he's going to compare the two different groups. The first group he defines as thieves and robbers. The words here have different meanings. The first thief is a Greek word, kleptes, from which we get our word kleptomaniac, which is somebody who uncontrollably gives themselves to thieving, even of stuff that they don't need. And that implies subtlety and trickery. The second word for robber uh, describes violence and plundering. Uh, it's sometimes used of bandits or gorillas. But the purpose for both was exploitation. Neither was concerned for the welfare of the sheep, but basically they are seeking to serve their own interests. And their intention is made clear. What are they there to do? To steal, that is to take something from us, to kill and to destroy. That's where they're headed. They are the false shepherds. And Jesus says they really can't lead the sheep, but they will seek to come and to steal things away. The second group that he describes is himself as the shepherd, the one who comes with a very different agenda. And his agenda is to look after the sheep, the sheep that are his. He has a different motivation, and that motivation is to care for the flock, to protect the flock, to lead the flock. In our community, we must be aware that there are many around our neighbours, in our workplaces, even perhaps in our families, that are often struggling to survive. They are overcome with a whole range of issues and they need to find life, but they don't know where to find it. They need to find a clear identity in life. But they don't have anyone speaking the right message. They are struggling to find meaning in what they do. To find something that is going to last longer than the next upgrade or the next new fad. And then there are others that are feeling quite abused and isolated. Over these last few weeks, they've been quite dramatic, haven't they? On top of all that we've gone through with COVID and all the fear, we feel like we're coming out of that, and all of a sudden we get hit with one in 100 floods, uh, which probably need to be renamed one in 10-year floods because they're happening a lot more regularly. Now, there are people in our community whose homes were flooded, uh, I had a look at uh, Andrew Sheldon's. I don't know if Andrew's here this morning or whether he's at home looking after his properties, still cleaning up. Uh, but just the waters that came streaming and the dams that overflowed at his place, 
and he said he just laid down on this turf and it all just ended up at the bottom of the uh, dam, a whole bunch of the topsoil that got laid. But people's homes have been flooded, their belongings have been trashed, and for some it is just a horrible reminder of what happened 10 years ago. And then on top of that, we hear more and more about the world's situation deteriorating with the war in the Ukraine and we hear stories of people fleeing their homes and for them, the turmoil is real. For us, perhaps there is a sense of fear that it is starting to awaken in us. And I wonder in that situation, where we're at, what we are hearing and whose voice we are listening to. Even yesterday, I was listening and I, I looked up my news app, maybe that was a mistake, and I discovered Shane Warne had suddenly died and been found dead in Thailand. Now, it said he died at the age of 52. Now, if you're younger than that, you're probably thinking, well, he's quite old. If you're older than that, you're thinking, well, he's quite young. And if you're like me and you're actually 52 years of age, you've just got a real visible reminder of your own mortality, haven't you? Knowing that death is going to come to us all. But Jesus describes here that he comes with a benefit to the sheep of a life that is abundant, a life that is not constricted. And he's going to tell us three things in this passage that I want you to take home. The first, in verse 9, he says that he is the gate. Now, the second idea of the sheepfold is in mind, where they're out in the country. In the summer months, they would take their sheep out. And because they were far from home, they wouldn't march them all the way back to the village. But they would just camp out there, maybe have a bit of an open fire. And they would put the sheep into like a cave or a, uh, a pen just made of stones. And instead of a gate, one of the shepherds would lie across it. And they would become the gate themselves. And Jesus says here in verse 9 that he is the gate. And that whoever enters by him will be saved. That is, will become part of his flock. When Paul was threatened... The Apostle Paul was threatened that his life was going to be taken away. Paul said, you know what? That's not going to bother me. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Why? Because Paul had a hope in a God that saves him, that he will last for all of eternity. That's where his life is secure. That's where it is. So for those who trust in Jesus, who enter through the gate, who believe as the miracle man did, we can be saved. We can have an eternal hope that will go through no matter what trial we are persevering through in this life. There should be nothing that rock us to our soul to say we just throwing our hands up in the air and giving up. Because like Paul we can say, for me to live is Christ, but to die is far better. I'm going a one-way ticket to heaven. It's not sad when I die, but it will be great for me. It might be sad for others who are left behind, 
but for me, I have the hope of eternity, a promise that is held secure in heaven. We're going to hear more about that next week. So a great message to come and bring your friends to. The second thing he tells us is not just that we are saved, but also that we have safety. We have safety because we have an identity in being part of the shepherd's flock. We can come in and we can go out, it says in verse 9, that he will lead us to pasture. In other words, God will give us what is needed to sustain life. And we've had those messages before about him being the living water, that he is the bread of life. That is, we find meaning not in our careers, not in family even. We find meaning and purpose in our identity in being part of God's kingdom, part of his flock. And lastly, he gives us satisfaction. Verse 10 It's a very well-known verse that is often quoted. And it is very true for all who believe. Jesus says that I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, this may refer just to the richness of having eternity, but we know from all else that Jesus describes as we go through John that he's talking about the relationship that we have in Christ. We have a relationship where Christ comes and indwells us, where our needs and our wants and our hurts and our pains can be poured out to him. And those needs and wants that we pour out to him, he hears and he can work in our life to bring healing. And that's why Psalm 23 is so precious to us. Because we talk about the Lord as our shepherd. And we won't want for anything. That is, we are satisfied. When it gets hot and sticky, he makes me lie down. When I don't know which way to go, he leads me in the path. When I am afraid and in the valley of the shadow of death, He shows up with his rod and his staff to make me feel secure and safe in him. When I don't know where my next provision is coming from, that's okay. Because he's the one that lays the table in the presence of my enemies. When I'm frustrated and I don't know where my direction is ultimately, well... Surely goodness and mercy show up and he will lead me home. But that's the kind of shepherd that Jesus is. And here in this passage, the big I am statement is that he is the gate. That is, it is only through Christ that we are saved. It is only through him that we become part of this flock. Now this morning... You may have come this morning and you may be thinking, my goodness, I still struggle for my identity. I still fear death. I'm still plagued by all of these voices around. And I want to say to you this morning, don't listen to those voices. There is only one voice we need to listen to, and that is that of Christ that we read of. And that's why we encourage people 
every week to either tune in online or to come and show up in person to listen to God's word and to be encouraged to pick up this book every day and to read what God wants to say to you. Because if you're not listening to his voice, then you're ignoring the shepherd. And the shepherd's intent is that you would have life and have it to the full. And so if you look at your life this morning and you say, you know what, I'm not feeling the fullness of life, there's only one question to ask. And the question is, who are you listening to? And there's a whole bunch of things that you can do. But if you have never taken that step, of actually trusting in Christ. I want you to take that step and give you that invitation to do that this morning, whether here or online. So why don't we bow our heads this morning and let's come before the good shepherd, the one who is the gate, and let's speak with him once again. In the quietness of these moments, Why don't you do business with God? Are you struggling at the moment with identity or having a sense of purpose or meaning in life? Have you been looking in the wrong places to find purpose and meaning? Are you a person this morning that has hope that eternal hope to know that you are saved if not I want to encourage you this morning to pray these words to the great shepherd heavenly father we acknowledge that you are a great God sending Jesus in the world to be our good shepherd we know he has come to give us life and life to the full. We want to trust in Jesus as the gate, the entryway into this life. We acknowledge that Jesus died in our place this morning for our sins so that we could be redeemed, that we could be saved from all the distress. Father, help me to go this week listening to Jesus' voice as my shepherd that I may know where to walk, that I may know where to feed, that I may find purpose and meaning and have a hope eternal. And we pray this this morning in Jesus' name. If you've prayed that this morning, I want to encourage you to tell someone, tell a friend. Uh, If you're at home watching online, uh, on the website, there is a link. You can let us know. We would love to help you on the journey, the journey of faith and a journey as part of his flock. Thank you for listening today. If you live locally here in the Ipswich region, we would love to invite you to come and join us in person uh, here at one of our Sunday gatherings at Whitehill. For more information on our services or our ministries, head on over to our website at whitehill.church. 
If you're interested also in taking next steps in your relationship with Jesus, please also at our website, hit the connect button and let us know where you're at. We would love to catch up with you either over a coffee or on a phone call to chat with you about where you're at. We hope you've enjoyed watching this message and we pray that God would continue to bless you as you seek to seek Him in your daily life. God bless.